Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Boardwalk Real Estate Investment Trust third quarter 2020 earnings conference call. At this time, all lines are in listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we'll conduct a question and answer session. If at any time during this call you require immediate assistance, please press star zero for the operator. This call is being recorded on November 13th, 2020. I would now like to turn the conference over to James Ha. Please go ahead. Thank you, Colin, and welcome to the Boardwalk Re 2020 Third Quarter Results Conference Call. With me here today is Sam Coleus, Chief Executive Officer, Lisa Smanich, Chief Financial Officer, and Lisa Russell, Senior Vice President of Corporate Development. Note that this call is being broadly disseminated by way of webcast. If, you're not, if you have not already done so, please visit bwalk.com investors, where you will find a link to today's presentation, as well as PDF files of the trust financial statements, MD&A, as well as supplemental information package. Starting on slide two, we'd like to remind our listeners that certain statements in this call and presentation may be considered forward-looking statements. Although the expectations set forth in such statements are based on reasonable assumptions, Boardwalk's future operation and its actual performance may differ materially from those in any forward-looking statements. Information that could cause actual results to differ materially from these statements are detailed in Boardwalk's publicly filed documents. I would like to now turn the call over to Sam Coleus. Thank you, James, and thank you, everyone, for joining us this morning. May we first start by sharing our thoughts, hearts, and prayers for all affected by COVID-19. We remain ever mindful of the great need for healing, love, and patience during this time. We are also ever mindful of the great sacrifice our veterans have made for the freedom we all have today as we honour all the lost lives in service this Remembrance Week. Boardwalk's top priority remains the health and safety of both our resident members and our Boardwalk team of heroes. Our Boardwalk family, our team, continues to adapt, evolve, and emerge through this pandemic environment. We remain committed to providing our essential service of safe, affordable housing in all our markets and are so proud of our team who have been rewarded with record high resident satisfaction scores, which in turn has delivered resilient and growing FFO results for our unit holders. Our FFO per unit remains the highest in the Canadian multifamily REIT sector. These results would not be possible without the integration and quick adoption of new technologies, such as our resident member platform, Yuhu introducing virtual showings, online payments, and our significant in-house advances in robotic lead management automation. We are exceptionally driven to continually emerge, improve our NPS scores, drive our occupancy higher, and increase our financial performance throughout this pandemic and well into the future. Slide four, building better communities continues to be at the heart of what we do. Our community programs have shifted to address the changing needs of our communities. 
our residents have rewarded us with the highest NPS scores and our increasing market share is a testament that Boardwalk remains the choice housing provider in our markets. Continuing on to slide five, Boardwalk's portfolio of well-located, affordable homes provide an exceptional value proposition for current and future resident members. Of Boardwalk's 33,000 apartment units, approximately 62% are based in Alberta and 11% in Saskatchewan, with each of these provinces providing exceptional affordability with multi-decade low rents as a percentage of incomes, creating an opportunity for incentives to be reduced to help offset increasing non-controllable expenses. Ontario and Quebec represent 27% of Boardwalk's communities, providing exceptional affordable average rents as well, with opportunity for future revenue growth. Slide six, Boardwalk's product diversification captures a much wider audience of resident members' needs, increasing the overall demand for Boardwalk communities. We provide three different branded communities, Boardwalk Living, Affordable Value, Boardwalk Communities, Enhanced Value, and Boardwalk Lifestyle, Affordable Luxury. Currently, we have approximately 6% lifestyle, 44% communities, and 50% living suites across our portfolio. Each brand provides exceptional value at each price point, grounded on some of the most affordable rents in Canada. Slides seven and nine through nine highlight our most recent rebrand projects. Our design, asset management, and operations teams work together to selectively and strategically identify each community rebrand or refresh. Our focus is to continue to deliver the best product, optimizing our capital allocation for our value add program to our targeted resident member demographic so we can continue to provide the most exceptional, elevated experience at an affordable price. The result is increased market demand, exceptional value, and appealing returns with achievable market rental adjustments. Our results continue to reflect the success of the re-engineering and redesign of our service, product quality, diversity, and experience led by our design team and executed with our entire team's all-hands-on-deck approach. Slide 10 illustrates some key operational metrics which demonstrates our continued strong operational performance through the current competitive environment. Our team continues to optimize our revenues, balancing occupancy, occupied rent, and the use of incentives. Occupancy has remained stable, a reflection of Boardwalk's strong product and value proposition, while occupied rents have begun to increase again from the self and government imposed rent restrictions that have been eased. Slide 11 provides further details on new and renewal lease spreads to date. Our revenue optimization strategy through the current environment is focused on retention. New leasing spreads have improved from the onset of the pandemic as lead generation improves. With our current high occupancy and the lifting of rental rate restrictions, Boardwalk has reintroduced 
sustainable discount reductions on our renewals and continue to see success targeting inflationary adjustments. With many of our lease renewals negotiated 30 to 90 days in advance, our third quarter primarily reflects the rental rate restrictions over the summer months. With approximately 60 to 70% of Boardwalk's lease activity in the form of renewals, these sustainable discount reductions will provide resilience and growth in optimizing Boardwalk's revenue to offset increasing non-controllable expenses. By 12, our same property results reflect the rental restrictions set forth at the beginning of the pandemic, as well as increased non-controllable expense line items such as, such as property taxes and utilities. With continued focus on reducing our GNA, our controllable costs, our NOI overall sustained a positive growth of 0.5% for the quarter, 4.9% for the nine months of this year, and a slight decline in sequential revenue growth of 0.2%. These rental restrictions have now been lifted as of August, and we are working together with our team to focus on sustainable rental discount reductions on our renewals. Slide 13, we continue to build on our track record with our 10th consecutive quarter of growth in FFO per unit. Our performance is the best reflection of our team's commitment to innovation, exceptional service, and focus on performance. Thank you to our entire Boardwalk team. We would like to now pass the call on to Lisa Smandich, who will provide us with an overview of our financial results. Lisa? Thank you, Sam. On slide 14, the trust delivered strong FFO and AFFO growth, with FFO increasing by 5.6% from $35.8 million to $37.8 million for the three months ended September 30, 2020. AFFO increased by 9.7%, from $29.8 million to $32.7 million, using an annualized maintenance capex estimate of $613 per apartment unit. For the nine months ended September 30, 2020, FFO increased 6.7% from $98.8 million to $105.5 million, while AFFO increased 11.5% from $80.8 million to $90.2 million. Included in our year-to-date FFO and AFFO results is approximately $3.5 million for retirement costs. Slide 15 summarizes the Trust's monthly revenue collections from its resident members for the year to date 2020. Please note, collections are reported for the calendar month only and do not include revenue collected in subsequent months. 98.3% of October revenue was collected in October, which is consistent with the Trust's historic run rate. Though varying by province, city, and site, prior to 2020, the Trust's historic bad debt expense was between 1% and 1.1% of total revenue. Thus far in 2020, bad debt expense has been 1.3% of total revenue. During COVID, Boardwalk, Boardwalk offered its resident members a deferral program for those who could demonstrate financial hardship. As at the end of October, there were approximately 50 participants in this program, which is down from 100 participants at the end of July. Additionally, the total deferred balance was approximately 47,000 at the end of October, also down from the 85,000 at the end of July. Slide 16 provides a summary of Boardwalk's available liquidity. 
The trust is well positioned with approximately $86 million in cash and subsequently funded financings, as well as an undrawn $199 million operating line. This approximate $286 million in liquidity provides the trust with a flexible financial position in the current environment, as well as providing the ability to take advantage of opportunities as they present themselves and as visibility improves. Slide 17 illustrates Boardwalk's mortgage maturity schedule. Our mortgages are well staggered with approximately 99% of our mortgage balance carrying NHA insurance through the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation. This insurance remains in effect for the full amortization of the mortgage and in addition to carrying the Government of Canada's backing, provides access to low-cost financing with current estimated 5- and 10-year CMHE rates of 1.2% and 1.8% respectively. The trust debt metrics continue to be strong with an interest coverage of 2.78 in the current quarter. Our progress on our 2020 mortgage maturities is presented on slide 18. Boardwalk has been actively taking advantage of this current low interest environment to renew, forward lock, as well as securing, securing additional up financing from our mortgage portfolio. To date, we have renewed or forward locked approximately 83% of our 2020 mortgage maturities as well as secured $173.4 million in new financing at record low interest rates, highlighted by some recently completed financings at interest rates less than 1%. Current underwriting criteria in our most recent submissions to CMHC and our lenders has remained in line with our historically conservative estimates. I would now like to turn the call to Lisa Russell, who will provide an update on our investments. Thank you, Lisa. In addition to our operational focus and in line with Boardwalk's long-term strategy, slide 19 summarizes our areas for future growth. These four levers include value-add capital improvements, acquisitions, development and dispositions of non-core assets, and will allow the trust to progress toward high grading and geographically expanding our portfolio. Slide 20 summarizes our progress on our value-added improvements with an increased focus on common areas and amenities as well as more affordable suite renovations. Our measured approach to our value-add improvement program focuses in on best returns. The trust continues to remain disciplined as we strategically invest in our communities. These renovations showcase the power of design and our ability to reposition assets across Canada. Slide 21 summarizes our recent acquisition of a 226-unit portfolio located in Kitchener, Waterloo, and Cambridge. This portfolio allows us to gain operating efficiencies with our existing portfolio in this high-growth region and aligns with our strategy of high-grading and geographic diversification. Purchased at approximately a 4% cap rate, this portfolio has a significant mark-to-market opportunity over in-place rents. These low-density, private entrance townhome-style units have an average suite size of over 1,000 square feet and are well-positioned to provide homes for the changing needs of our resident members. On slide 22, we are pleased to announce the unconditional sale of Boardwalk Manor, a 72-unit walk-up in Regina. This asset transacted for $7.5 million and is expected to close on November 16, 2020. The sale of this non-core asset is in line with the trust's IFRS value and allows Boardwalk to continue to recycle capital towards accretive opportunities and achieve the trust's strategic objectives. Slide 23 provides a brief update of our current and future development projects. 
Construction at 45 Railroad in Brampton continues on schedule. Completion of this two-tower, 365-unit development is estimated to be in 2022 and 2023. In line with our long-term strategy of geographic expansion and high-grading our portfolio, the Trust acquired two future development sites in Victoria, the capital city of British Columbia. We are excited to re-enter the Victoria market where rental fundamentals are strong with low vacancy rates and an undersupply of rental housing, even during a pandemic. Government, tourism, and a rapidly growing technology sector provide the economic foundation for this market. These two future prime development sites give Boardwalk a solid foothold in this growth market. The Carlisle land site is a land assembly in the gentrifying municipality of Esquimalt and was acquired for $12.9 million. Located across from the newly developed Esquimalt Town Square and Recreation Centre, this prime development site will provide new rental housing in a growing and undersupplied market. This transaction closed on November 2nd. We anticipate entitlements and rezoning to be completed in 2022. This site will yield approximately 200 luxury affordable units. The second site we purchased is located in the growing municipality of View Royal. This zoned piece of land was purchased for $14 million. Conditions have been waived and is scheduled to close on November 23, 2020. We anticipate building approximately 250 units on this prime site, which is located near Victoria General Hospital, a large retail plaza and provides quick access to both downtown Victoria and Langford. These two sites provide the opportunity for Boardwalk to utilize its past experience and success in building accretive low-rise developments. The Trust is excited to bring Boardwalk's brand of unique design and affordability to Victoria while creating value for the Trust in our proven low-rise development program. We will progress through rezoning, entitlement, and the design of all new development projects in 2021. For clarity, the Trust will not begin any new construction in 2021. I would now like to turn the call over to James. Thank you, Lisa. Slide 24 illustrates the exceptional value opportunity Boardwalk's current trading price represents when compared to recent multifamily transactions in the marketplace. As a basis of comparison, this slide utilizes Boardwalk's consensus 2020 NOI to illustrate implied valuation on a cap rate and per apartment door basis. Reported cap rates on transactions often have varying assumptions with some instances using a stabilized NOI, such as Boardwalk has in our current calculation of fair value, which utilizes a stabilized cap rate of 5.27% as disclosed in our financial statements. And in other instances, reported cap rates on sales transactions have utilized an in-place NOI, similar to our consensus NOI estimates used here on this slide. As noted, Boardwalk's net asset value of approximately $60 per trust unit or $180,000 per apartment door is in line with recent transactions. Our current unit price of approximately $135,000 per apartment door or a 6% cap rate on consensus NOI presents an exceptional opportunity given the resilience of our operating performance and the industry's access to record low debt financing. In addition to the exceptional value our trust units currently represent, Boardwalk is well positioned to continue to deliver organic growth on the foundation of high affordability and unparalleled value in our essential housing products. As shown on slide 25, Boardwalk's core Alberta markets of Edmonton and Calgary remain resilient with stable occupancy, positioning us well to reduce incentives sustainably on lease renewals, which represent the largest portion of our deal flow. 
In our Saskatchewan market, Boardwalk's focus on product quality, service, and experience has gained market share. Our affordable and high-value offering, Ontario and Quebec markets, remain near full occupancy. The Trust continues to focus on maximizing market rents on turnover. Just a $25 increase in our monthly average in-place rent equates to approximately $0.20 cents in annual FFO per unit and represents a significant growth opportunity over the near and long term as we focus in on optimizing our revenue and NOI, delivering quality, safe, and affordable housing across Canada. Looking forward on slide 26, Boardwalk's formula remains. With significant liquidity, 99% CMHC-insured financing on our debt, and access to debt capital that is near 1% provides a significant tailwind in our financing costs. Boardwalk is on a strong financial foundation to weather any COVID-related uncertainties, as well as execute on opportunities that arise. Our industry low distribution payout ratio provides a recycling of cash flow for growth. Our organic growth opportunity remains a key priority, driving sustainable rental rate adjustments while maintaining high occupancy levels. Our controllable cost savings to date will continue to be a focus point as we aim to innovate and leverage our technology and energy efficiency programs. We look forward to sharing our progress and growth in our upcoming quarters and would like to open up the phone line for questions. Colin? Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press star, followed by one on your touch-tone phone. You'll hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request, and your questions will be polled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star, followed by two. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift the handset uh, before pressing any keys. One moment for your first question. And your first question comes from Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan Kletcher from uh, TD Securities. Jonathan, please go ahead. Thanks. Uh, good. Good morning. Um, morning first, first question, just on um, the incentives, and at the end there, James, you're talking about them coming down on on renewals. How do you, how do you see incentives playing out um, as you go through the winter leasing season, and, and maybe contrast renewals versus versus new leasing? Sure. Thanks, Jonathan. You're 100 percent right. That's a uh, uh, on renewal specifically, that is where our focus is, uh, and that's no different over the last many years. We've 100% been focused in on retention uh, within our portfolio. Today on renewals, we're targeting very sustainable increases. You know, we're, talk- or we're talking a range of $20 to $50 on a net effective basis. Uh, really, for the most part, especially in our Western Canadian market, these are in the form of incentive or discount reductions. Uh, our team to date uh, has seen great success with this. Uh, again, some are lower, some are higher, but for the most part, we, we're falling within the 20 to $50 range. On new leases, our team's doing a great job of maintaining high occupancy. Um, you see that on uh, our leasing spread slide uh, so far to date, uh, positioned with our high occupancy today of roughly uh, just over 96%. Uh, we feel good about going into the winter months. So again, uh, to your point, Jonathan, it's a combination of maintaining high occupancy uh, gaining that with new leases and continuing to get uh, steady, sustainable increases on our renewals, which represents about 65% of our deal flow. Okay, and then the on slide 10, when it when it says the average incentive is $178, how like how remind us how that's calculated? So that's the average incentive uh, for those units that have incentives in place. Okay. 
Um, and then just switching gears, uh, Victoria, um, going back to the, the BC market, maybe um, talk about the decision to go go there through development versus buying existing assets and, and are you looking for um, existing assets there? So the, the big decision and pivot for Victoria, Jonathan and Sam, has been the significant success we've realized in our low-rise development in Regina and Calgary. We've created and realized significant value in that development program. So it's really exciting to secure prime locations in suburban um, areas in Victoria, uh, in in um, uh, town centers or right next door to uh, a major hospital in Victoria, uh, that provides us with brand new low-rise affordable uh, housing in a market that's uh, very undersupplied. The other characteristics we looked at in those locations was very little apartment rental product supply in those suburban locations. And, and primarily the housing uh, choices there are very expensive uh, single family homes. So the relative value uh, proposition between renting a brand new low rise community and buying a single family home is really exceptional. And, and, and Victoria has grown during the pandemic and has demonstrated um, one of the um, one of the strongest uh, uh, population uh, growths and continued uh, rental demand in the country. So we're very excited, uh, as you can as you can sense. Yeah, and, and what and what about exist? What about uh, existing assets or revenue producing assets right now? Are you, are you looking at any of those in in Victoria? Yeah, Jonathan, we're definitely looking at those. It's going to be a combination. Um, as we've uh, clearly stated, we are um, going to be going through entitlements for the next couple of years on the development site, and uh, the developments will not start in 2021. Um, that being said, we're uh, currently looking at some existing assets right now on, um, yeah, on val and any value add or newer supply that we do see in Victoria, but we're very excited to be in this market again. Okay, that's, uh, that's helpful. I'll turn it back. Thanks. Thank you, Jonathan. Your next question comes from Neil Downey from RBC Capital Markets. Neil, please go ahead. Uh, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Um, I just have a couple of questions. One relates to, uh, I'll call it the cost side of the ledger, and uh, your trust expenses uh, in the quarter. They were... Uh, down materially uh, from where they were e earlier in the year, even excluding some some one-off items. So, so can you maybe discuss uh, how you see trust expenses going forward and the sustainability of uh, the expenses that were incurred in the third quarter? And secondly, I might as well get these all out of the way at once. Uh, on the subject of uh, capital investments and improvement capex, uh, we are approaching the end of 2020, so can you please provide an indication as to roughly what the total investment might be for the year? And as you look to 2021, do you think capital improvements will be uh, the same, higher or lower? 
And as a really a part B to that uh, CapEx question, what should we be thinking about in terms of uh, the deduction that we take for uh, R&M CapEx as it relates to our AFFO derivation? Thanks, Neil. Uh, it's Lisa Smandich. So I'll speak first of, uh, to the administration expenses of the trust costs. So as everyone can see, uh, Q3 for us was a really clean quarter as it relates to all of our admin charges. As, to, as you pointed out, there were no retirement costs or severance adjustment in this quarter. Uh, we have commented on how we have been really maintaining and managing our headcount. So a considerable portion of those savings that you saw was a result of our wages and salaries and keeping on top of those expenses. During Q3 too, we were uh, just really clean in terms of looking at accruals and those types of adjustments to make sure everything made sense. It's important to note that when we go into Q4, uh, we will have some true ups as it relates to year-end accruals based on knowing your actual results in comparison to some in, uh, in internal targets. So there may be some adjustments going into Q4 a little bit in, in comparison to that Q3 rate. Um, as we move into 2021, I think our, our expectation would be our admin costs, um, including the deferred comp, would probably be about the $8.5 to $9 million range per quarter moving into 2021. Um, from a CapEx side, I don't know, Sam or James, if you would rather that one. Uh, yes, Neil, it's Sam. Our trend is clearly down in our total CapEx. Uh, spend as per slide 20. There's more demand for affordable, what we call classic units. And, and our um, uh, spend is, is really on our common area experience centers, which is a, a real fraction of the uh, spend uh, of our interior full renovation uh, suites. We uh, are seeing a, uh, a, a clear, uh, strong demand in affordability and in our living uh, brand. And coupled with um, a, a repositioned uh, experience center in common areas, uh, we're really differentiating ourselves uh, versus our, our competition and gaining uh, market share. So that uh, trend in uh, lower uh, CapEx total spend will, as, as we uh, calculate our CapEx, on a three-year moving average, and, and that will translate into a lower CapEx number because the total spend will be uh, dropping as well. So I hope that answers uh, the question. Okay, that, that's super. Thank you so much. Uh, one, uh, one, um, one thing we're spending a lot on is creative capital. And creative capital is, is uh, uh, really the brain trust of our entire team, and we're coming up with new ways to do things, and, and there's, uh, uh, there's new savings all the time that all our associates are contributing. So we really have to give all credit to our team that continues to come up with amazing ways and ideas to do the same old, same old, indifferent, more efficient, cost-effective ways. The other really exciting um, uh, thing that we're doing, we just finished our trial with Smart Rent, and that's our partnership with the major U.S. apartment REITs uh, with uh, real estate technology ventures and smart home technology, self-showing. We're scratching the surface as we um, uh, uh, install our first full community of smart technology. And that will introduce savings 
that are unparalleled that uh, the U.S. Uh, we're very grateful uh, to be partners with the most innovative U.S. REITs uh, uh, developing and creating. One of our new partners is Amazon, for example, in smart rent. Uh, as soon as we put that uh, technology together, uh, Amazon became a, a partner of ours uh, very quickly. And so we're super excited with the technology. And again, we got to give kudos for our Yoohoo platform. Uh, the automation, our in-house development of our new robotic lead management system we created in-house, uh, I can go on and on. Uh, and again, we're, we're scratching the surface on, on the savings potential and the way we're revolutionizing and changing the way we serve uh, in the multifamily uh, communities. Your next question comes from Howard Lung from Veritas uh, investment research. Howard, please go ahead. Um, good morning. Um, morning. I also want to ask about OPEX, um, the controllable side. You know, what, what, what do you see for fiscal 21? Um, and um, do you expect that to also, you know, offset um, some of the cost increases for the uncontrollable side? Hey, Howard, it's James here. 100% great question. On the uh, controllable expense side, uh, I think we continue to see the benefit of that. Uh, you saw it here, uh, even in our most recent results here with our future results, uh, offsetting uh, some of the gains that we've had or the increases that we've seen in the non-controllable side. Uh, looking forward uh, into next year, as Sam was just talking about, I mean, our team is looking for savings and innovating each and every day. Um, uncovering uh, as many rocks as we can. And so uh, we're confident that our team will continue to find savings going forward. Uh, obviously, we want to we want to remain uh, conservative and um, uh, anticipate some inflation in items such as, you know, your standard items such as wages and salaries, et cetera. However, you know, with, with what our team is doing and what our team has done over the last few years looking at uh, efficiencies, uh, we're confident that this trend can, can continue. Okay, uh, and then just uh, I, I, I see that uh, I think Edmonton and Calgary, they just had a spike this quarter for rental unit construction in Q3 uh, in terms of completions. Can you speak to that and uh, where you think, you know, if it'll put any pressure on occupancies or rental revenue in the near term? So what we're seeing at SAM uh, is new supplies coming on about 1,000 units and and the uh, pricing is stable. It's about 250 uh, a square foot. And so we're, we're seeing the new communities accept a lower absorption and a higher vacancy. And that, that is good news for everybody because the rental market is contiguous, it's interconnected, everything is relative. And, and new uh, supply is a um, price setter, and the rest of the market is a price taker. And, and so we're very pleased with the stability at about $2.50 and the affordability of the new supply that's out there. It's well below uh, other levels uh, in other uh, uh, centers in Canada. Affordability continues to be the leading variable in the United States our biggest uh, uh, data sampling and trends well before the pandemic, affordability was clearly a trend in major, more expensive cities in the U.S. And we're seeing this trend accelerate 
during the pandemic. And we're talking with, with Shopify employees in Calgary. We're talking with Amazon Web Services employees in Calgary. This work from home and from anywhere is accelerating. And Calgary's got the freshest air, cleanest water, most beautiful mountains. It's the Denver-like, and, and according to The Economist uh, magazine, the fifth top best city to live in in the world. And that's the only Canadian city that makes it on the top five list. And so uh, it's the best kept secret and uh, it continues to grow. We're seeing that, our results are reflecting that. And uh, affordability is, is uh, uh, something that, that uh, we've got uh, the most of or one of the most of in the entire country. Right, right. so it doesn't sound like you're seeing a lot of pressure from new supply, and, and I guess you know that kind of relates to my next question about about Brio. You know, I think it's around 55% leased. And can you talk about your leasing strategy there? And I guess it sounds like you're not you're also not competing. You're not giving a large incentives uh, to lease that building. Correct. We're we're taking a more patient approach. We're um, assuming a 12 month lease up. We're well on target. We're over 50% occupied. Um, as we speak and on target to be fully occupied by the spring about a year after during a pandemic um, uh, uh, lease up and and so again our product is very unique our unit size is very large that's one thing we've learned is unit size matters and it's something that's impossible to change once a development's completed the unit size stays the same. And so that decision to redesign that to smaller unit count and larger unit sizes has really helped us compete in that marketplace and actually gain market share from the newer, smaller uh, condominium rentals in the area. And also the residential uh, housing in the area is approximately a million dollars or just under some of the most expensive bungalows in the city or just in and around that area is providing a great alternative to a single-family home as well. And so we've we very carefully crafted uh, that community, and it's showing in our performance. Okay, no, that's great. Uh, and then kind of my last question relates to capital recycling. So we've seen, you know, we've seen you buy some um, some units in Ontario and B.C., uh, at about, you know, it seems like about a four cap. Uh, and then we, we're seeing some um, dispositions, mainly in Saskatchewan, around a six cap. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I understand the strategy of high grading your portfolio, um, but given that there's that spread between the different cap rates and, and most of your remaining Saskatchewan assets, I think, are levered, so they're not unencumbered. Could, there, could you see any near-term headwinds, you know, to cash flows or NOI if you keep uh, pursuing the strategy, and, and to what extent are you looking to dispose your Saskatchewan assets? So, just for clarity, um, the, the sale that just transacted um, at seven and a half was uh, closer to like low four cap. So, I'm not sure where the six cap is coming from, but the lower four cap is uh, is transacting, and it's yeah, we're not concerned. So just to be clear, Howard, I mean, uh, the six cap that you're um, I'm assuming you're referring to is our stabilized cap rate that we would utilize in, in Saskatchewan, uh, you know, for what 
uh, Lisa is referring to is uh, more the uh, in place that's currently uh, reflected there. And so as we redeploy that towards four caps in Ontario from a cash flow basis, uh, we, uh, especially with the market to market that we have in Ontario, we believe we're accomplishing our strategic goals of high grading and geographically expanding. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I, I thought the uh, boardwalk manor was disposed at a six cap, but you're you're saying it's uh it's closer to a four, four and a half. No four. In place, in place fours. What we're seeing is uh, low fours in place, going to five and six as incentives burn and as turnover happens in Ontario. Uh, what we're seeing in our uh, Victoria is what we saw here in Calgary and Regina is is uh, the capital that that uh, we're going to uh, have to use as our creative uh, capital where we get in front of all the uh, competitive buying and partner up with uh, land assemblers, for example, that have been in that market for 10 years. And as a result, uh, we're uh, able to secure uh, unique sites and create the value and the equity that's required. And so uh, our, our capital will be uh, construction financing uh, of the cost of the construction, and then the value we create will be our equity. And it's exactly like the, the uh, equity capital that we created through the, through the value that we create in the development cycle and process. And, and we've created significant value on a smaller scale uh, in Western Canada, in Alberta and Saskatchewan, with around 1,000 uh, or, or seven, 800 units. And our equity capital is the, is the value that we created. And these uh, communities provide positive, uh, accretive FFO contributions to our bottom line. And we're going to continue to do that. We, we realize the timing of sales is critical to the acquisitions. And Lisa can needle uh, a very uh, fine thread um, uh, through this and will continue to as she and our acquisition and disposition and development team have been doing over the last several years in a smaller scale. We're going to scale that up going forward and be more active on, bo on both, first and foremost, the disposition side and timing our acquisitions uh, at, at accretive uh, levels so we can accelerate the geographic um, uh, um, uh, geographic um, distribution of our asset uh, mix. Right, right. And, and so I guess to that, to that, um, should we expect more dispositions then in the Saskatchewan yeah. region? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Well, in, even in Alberta, and more particular Edmonton, our most highly concentrated market is Edmonton, and 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 uh, that's that's most likely where we will be most active. But it, we're going to be most active in Western Canada where there's the bid and the best pricing, period. And, and uh, um, we're, we're going to be a lot more open-minded when it comes to the trading uh, of our assets to accelerate our geographic uh, uh, div uh, uh, distribution in our, in our asset class. Okay, no, good to know. And and uh, just to confirm, yeah, so four kind of four four caps um, in in place, and after incentives burn, it'll be five to six. Okay, no, got it. Thanks. Yeah, that's correct. Your next question comes from Matt Hormack uh, from National Bank uh, Financial. Matt, please go ahead. 
Hi guys. Uh, just wanted to quickly follow up on Howard's question with regards to capital recycling and, and Edmonton in particular. Um, can you provide any commentary as to uh, transaction activity in that market, what you're seeing and, and what you could potentially lighten up on there? Our transactions going, so there's there is some product in Edmonton right now and uh, there's from just talking to the brokers, there's lots of activity on the product that um, is in Edmonton and, and, and Calgary. Uh, in 2021, like Sam said, we're going to be really focused on, um, on transactions, not just in Edmonton, but in Western Canada. And yeah, we feel like there's, there's a lot of strong, there's strong interest uh, in talking to these different groups as we, as we are right now. And pricing-wise, cap rates on in-place NOI, are you inside of what you're seeing in uh, Saskatchewan, or is it similar type pricing? Yeah, it depends on the product, um, but similar type pricing. Uh, definitely, we, we're, we're right in line. Okay. Um, on, on property taxes, uh, they were up fairly significantly sequentially. And I think this was previously known, but as you look into 2021, it sounds like some municipalities are trying to hold off on passing through budget deficits uh, related to COVID uh, onto property owners. But but what are your thoughts there? And then maybe more generally, can you speak to, uh, I think on OPEX this quarter, same property year over year was up 3.6%. Um, is that a figure that you'd hope to attain? I know there's some one-time items in there like the carbon tax, um, but but how should we think about OPEX growth going forward? Hey, Matt, it's James. Uh, on the property tax front, uh, absolutely, we're not looking to, we're not anticipating uh, the same pace of increase uh, for 2021 as we would have seen uh, this year in 2020. In fact, you're 100% right, even in Calgary, much of the media attention is around the potential of uh, uh, residential tax decreases, actually. Um, going forward, we'll have more visibility on that in the new year. We are hearing that there's likely some pressure on industrial property taxes here in Alberta. Uh, multifamily, it sounds like we're, uh, we'd anticipate something that is closer to flat, if not even more inflationary, as opposed to the you know, double-digit tax increases we saw this year. Uh, with regards to other operating uh, costs, uh, you hit it bang on, Matt. Um, the majority of our increases were a result of these non-controllable uh, increases like property tax, like insurance. Um, when it comes to carbon tax, I mean, again, that is a, another item where, you know, frankly, where uh, we are seeing those increases. Uh, again, we're, we wouldn't anticipate the same pace of increase, but we, uh, we will see those continue into 2021. So so you'd hope for under under the 3.6% potentially if you if you're lucky into uh 2021 one other thing just can that 13.7 million of property tax is that a good run rate figure it kind of moves around a little bit but uh presumably that's the new basis yeah bar barring future information that we see uh for 2021 again we'll have more visibility on that in the new year but for for now uh we say yes okay thanks guys Thanks, Matt. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have a question, please press star, followed by one. Your next question comes from Mike uh, Marcadis from Desjardins. Mike, please go ahead. Hi, everyone. Um, just with the uh, plan to accelerate your uh, 
your disposition program in Western Canada. Um, and I apologize if I had uh, missed this sooner, but I think you guys had, or missed this earlier, I think you guys had um, three assets listed in, uh, in Edmonton. Uh, I was just wondering if you'd give us an update on that process. Sure. Um, yeah, we've had a lot of interest in the assets and we're actually at different stages of an under contract. So we can speak to it uh, further next quarter. But yeah, we've seen a lot of interest and um, there's, there's buyers uh, from out east to private guys uh, in, the, in the local market. Okay, so you would expect those transact uh, early next year? Correct. Okay, great. Um, and then just, um, you know, looking at your, your segmented revenue, clearly it was a tough, one of the toughest scores we've seen in a while. Um, and you did have a sequential revenue decline in Alberta, about 1.5%. Um, realize you guys are getting more traction on the, uh, the renewal increases as we move through 4Q. Um, but just given what you're seeing in terms of leasing velocity and demand and understandably the, the, the visibility factor is as low as it's probably been in a long time, do you expect that will stabilize over the next couple of quarters, or do you expect it will continue to uh, to leak lower? So we're, uh, Mike, it's Sam. We're we're seeing uh, between the twenty fifty dollar uh, discount reductions on renewals, which accounts for about sixty seventy percent of uh, our turnover, and and so uh, we will be seeing that reverse um, in the fourth quarter because we're seeing it as we speak in our renewals today. So, so our renewal agents um, are some, and especially the communities that we've uh, repositioned, uh, we're gonna see uh, uh, discount reductions uh, more in the um, 60 to $80 range. And, and so we're seeing some of those and we're going to see more of those as more of our repositioned communities come online. And, and so, uh, you know, we're, 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 as we speak, seeing a, a, um, uh, a, a, a increase in our revenues as a result of the discount of our, um, a reduction of our discounts uh, flowing through again. Okay. So I guess the outlook would be, um, reduction in average incentive, maybe you're giving up a little bit on new leases and then you'd expect uh, occupancy to remain relatively stable. Would that be fair? That's what we're seeing as we speak, yes. Okay, great. That's helpful. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Your next question comes from Mario Sarek from Scotiabank. Mario, please go ahead. Uh, thank you and good morning. Uh, just uh, two two questions on the disposition activity. Coming back to the three assets that are listed at Edmonton, can you highlight whether there's any debt on those three assets, or are they free and clear of debt? There's currently debt on the assets that we're marketing, and uh, but we're not we're, mar we're not marketing them free and clear, so there there'll be debt assumptions with that. Okay, and then more of a more of a bigger picture on dispositions. I think, uh, especially when you're looking at your Western Canadian assets, some of those assets or properties you've owned forever. So I'd imagine the, the tax basis on a lot of these assets is probably zero. Uh, does uh, does the adjusted tax basis of the assets 
uh, impact in any way uh, your ability to execute on your disposition program or the uh, the magnitude of that disposition program. Uh, hi, Mario. It's Lisa. Great question. Um, so basically, when we evaluate our distribution on a recurring uh, quarterly, monthly basis, we do consider uh, capital gains and recapture in our taxable income calculations. So we do allow for um, a pool uh, within our distributions to allow for us to execute and sell our assets at their equity value. Um, but you are correct. We will have to consider as Anytime we're evaluating any disposition, we have to look at the tax bases, and yes, some of those assets which we've held for a longer period of time, uh, you would expect that there would be a recapture and capital gain consequence, so we consider that when we evaluate our distribution on a quarterly basis. Uh, Mario, the other option we have is selling like and buying like, like our newer acquisitions that we uh, purchased or developed. Uh, realize uh, the gains that we've created, uh, the cost base is, is much higher, and reinvest those gains into a different geographic region with like brand new uh, developed product as well. So it'll be a like-for-like like product in a different geographic region. And that's, th and that's exactly how um, we can access capital uh, internally. And, and it's a it's a great, great um, uh, way to, um, again, our, our focus is internally generated free cash flow. That's why we re-engineered our distribution to maximize the free cash flow available for us. And that's our biggest primary source of capital will be free cash flow, especially when our average rents are $1,183. Everything is relative, everything. It's a whole lot different uh, moving rents from 1183 to 13, 1400 on a relative basis, that's a big major percentage increase versus moving average rents from 15, $1,600 at the same percentage level. And that's really important to keep in mind. That's the growth. The organic growth is significant. And the, and, and the re-engineering to maximize the access of that free cash flow is significant, and that that uh, is going to fuel our growth going forward. Okay, uh, thank you for the color. Your next question comes from Brandon uh, Abrams from Canaccord, or Brendan, sorry. Uh, please go ahead. Hey, good morning. Um, I hopped on late, so maybe I missed it. Just on the uh, Victoria. Um, land purchases. Uh, can you just uh, maybe reiterate what uh, the expected uh, development yield and also maybe price per suite once uh, once built out would be? Yeah. So for Victoria, right now we're going through rezoning on one of the sites, so that will we'll figure out density as uh, we get closer. That'll be likely further out in 2022. And as we progress through the rezoning process, we'll uh, keep everybody up to speed. And uh, for the eagle, for the eagle's nest, it is a rezoned piece of land, and we're in really preliminary stages. Um, we're just closing on this piece of land right now and working through it, but it'll be close to like a four, four and a half yield, or four and a half. Uh, the development uh, yield uh, will be approximately 25%, and that that essentially uh, will be our our equity. 
in, into those uh, developments and communities. And we've realized higher than that uh, in our past developments. And uh, depending on where the market's going over the next uh, couple of years, because right now the market continues to improve and strengthen in, in the locations that, that uh, were uh, secured uh, land in. And as a result, um, you know, these, these we believe are, are, um, are, are, are realistic um, uh, yields. The, um, the low-rise construction is another big difference, and, and the um, advances uh, that we've seen in low-rise construction um, is, is significant. And so the cost of low-rise is much, much lower than high-rise, and, and that contributes to the value that we can create in low-rise uh, developments versus high-rise uh, developments. We're very happy with our high-rise developments because we secured really low-price uh, uh, contracts uh, several years ago, to be honest. So the low-rise construction we have uh, in Brampton is very exciting because the um, uh, legacy older product is not too far below what our total cost is going to be in Brampton. Uh, with our partner that's doing an amazing job um, keeping costs uh, down and uh, securing these contracts a long time ago. So, uh, so we're, again, very excited about uh, the value uh, uh, that we can create in, in these new exciting opportunities. Right. No, that's, uh, that's helpful. And maybe just on a similar tone, uh, maybe as it a, as a, uh, pertains to capital allocation, over the last year or two, you've invested in a few development projects, um, some acquisitions outside of your core markets, and you know. So obviously, um, you know the growth of the REIT and geographical uh, diversification is uh, is paramount. But just in terms of unit buybacks, and given where the uh, the stock is trading uh, relative to you know perceived value. Um, you know, do you have a view and and your uh, you know significant liquidity? Maybe you could just, uh, you know, remind us, you know, your view on unit buybacks and uh, and what it, you know, I guess what it would take to, uh, you know, go into the market and uh, and support the stock. So our view on unit uh, buybacks is the same as our view on capital allocation. We review that all the time, and we look at all options available to us. And, and so we, uh, um, you, you must have uh, been in our board meeting. We had a very, uh, very heated discussion and, and uh, um, talk about uh, asset or uh, uh, capital allocation and unit buyback. And, and we will continue to look at all, 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 um, all sources and, and uh, uses of capital allocation all, all the time. Okay, that's great. I'll turn it over. Thank you. Thanks, Brendan. Your next question comes from Lee Chen from IA Securities. Lee, please go ahead. Uh, hi, good morning. Um, most of my questions were answered, so just really quickly um, for me, just uh, in, in regards to the Brampton and Mississauga projects, um, have your projections on uh, in terms of costs or yield on costs changed at all in the near term? 
They haven't actually. So for Brampton, we're 85% fixed cost, so uh, we're secure with um, any construction uh, fluctuations that um, may, we may have seen over the past six months. Uh, so no, everything is absolutely in line. And uh, Mississauga, again, we're just going through rezoning, so that one is very, very preliminary. Uh, we watch the market uh, uh, all the time, and in Brampton, we're surveying uh, competitors. Uh, there's very little to no new supply in the Brampton market, and there's very little to no incentives as well in the in the Brampton market. Brampton market, uh, you know, we we purchased that land on a square foot basis at just about just over thirty dollars a buildable or close to 40 with entitlements, um, very affordable uh, contracts. Uh, the partner we have is the, uh, the general contractor uh, developer and has been in the construction and development uh, business uh, for decades. And, and uh, you know, we're very blessed to have them as a partner uh, that secured really uh, exceptional low-cost um, uh, and proven uh, good quality trades to keep our costs uh, uh, under control. And so far, so good. They're doing an amazing job, and, and we're seeing uh, great um, discipline and cost control, and we're on time, on budget, mm -hmm. which is the good news on any new development. Okay, great. Thanks for the caller. I'll, I'll turn it back. Thanks. Thanks, your next question comes from Joanne Chen from BMO Capital Markets. Joanne, please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Um, yeah, most of my questions have been answered as well, but maybe just a really quick one. I apologize if I missed this earlier, but um, uh, you know, with the, the rent freeze lifted, um, could you maybe provide some color on, on what sort of uh, rent list that you, are you seeing now? Um, you know, in so far in I guess September and October. Sorry, what was that? Hi, Joanne. Yeah, you're 100% right. It's just on the rent freeze. Uh, oh, okay. The increases post the rent freeze. And so uh, the rent, rental rate restrictions, both self and government imposed, for the most part across our markets, uh, were lifted uh, uh, towards August here. And so since then on renewals, we've really been targeting sustainable discount reductions with our uh, residents, right? So we've been targeting $20 to $50 discount reductions and getting them. Uh, uh, with our renewal agents and, and the strategy and the approach that we take with our lease renewals, we're often negotiating lease renewals 30 to 90 days in advance. And so there was, uh, we're, we're, we're starting to see that benefit now uh, in these current months, and we anticipate that uh, we'll see those leasing spreads on renewals improve into the fourth quarter. I got you. So you've got 25 to, to 35 uh, discount on reductions? 20 to $50. Sorry, 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 that's one minute. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, nope. Sorry, that's all I that I had. Uh, I'll, I'll turn it back. Thanks very much, guys. There are no further questions at this time. Please proceed. Thank you, Colin. We would like to end this call by thanking our amazing team of heroes and great leaders, loyal residents, and all our stakeholders. It really is all about our amazing team of heroes whose huge shoulders we stand, and as leaders, we continue to do everything we can to support continued growth and excellence. We really can't thank our amazing team and great leaders enough. We are pleased with our improving results. On a foundation of exceptional value, we continue to provide our resident members 
our investors, and all our stakeholders. Our home is much more than a place. The future is family, where love always lives. What can be more important when choosing where to call home? Thank you again, everyone, for joining us this morning, and may God bless us all with healing, health, and peace through all times. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your line. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.